I'm Terence Gannon, and this is the Not There Yet podcast, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Mexico City, 1969. While there is still time, take your kids on a long road trip. Memories are like roadside scenery glimpsed from a car hurtling down the freeway at 78 miles an hour. The driver sees the least, preoccupied by the task at hand. The passenger in the front seat sees a little more, but not enough given she spends time looking at the driver, searching for signs of distraction or weariness. The passengers in the back have the opportunity to see the most because they are, literally, along for the ride, blissfully out of control and with nothing but time on their hands. The idle backseat passengers can best see what's really close up or really far off, and only then, like freeze-frame glimpses of washed-out, coat-of-color photos rescued from a dumpster-bound shoebox. It had to have been some time in 1968 when my father would have come home from his respectable but routine job at McGill University and announced to his family that a paper he had written had been accepted at the Ninth World Congress of the International Federation of Otorhinolaryngological Societies. It was to be held in Mexico City in August of 1969. I further imagine that as a seven-year-old, that pronouncement would have been pretty abstract. Mexico is a city, too? I might have thought. However, it more likely conjured up thoughts of my father getting dressed up in a suddenly trimmer, surprisingly fashionable suit, and my mother arranging his clothes on the bed and eventually into a hard, shiny brown Samsonite suitcase. My father would not have worn a hat, though. He was not a hat guy, even in the madman era when a lot of guys his age still were. Shortly after, he would disappear down a stairway to the tarmac at Aeroport d'Orval and get smaller, still hatless, as he walked out to the DC-6 and then up and out of sight. Likely my most vivid thought at the time was what exotic and strange thing he would bring back for me from such an exotic and strange land. If he had asked, I probably would have given him the answer I thought he wanted to hear, a sombrero, or a poncho, or a chihuahua. Secretly, I would have really hoped for a major Matt Mason set, not knowing that wasn't even vaguely possible. But the eagle had landed. Armstrong and Aldrin had just walked on the moon. There was nothing that was impossible and too far-fetched for my boyhood imagination and a father of infinite capability. I might even settle for haphazard, Matt Mason's creepy bow-legged knockoff hick cousin. But none of that was going to be the case. After some long-forgotten, muffled conversations heard late at night by my sister, brother, and me just partition walls away, my parents finally announced that we were all going on an utterly insane, only in retrospect, adventure. We were going to drive to Mexico City so my father could attend the conference and present his paper. If that wasn't enough, we would then divert westward from Mexico City and visit aunts, uncles, and cousins in Sacramento and Seattle on the long way round to home. We would re-enter Canada near Vancouver. My father had visited there a couple of years before and not so secretly fallen in love with the place. It's clear only now that he was on a mission to convince my mother of a future move to the West Coast, and what better way than to get the backseat passengers excited about sailing and skiing on the same day. At least that's what he told us we would be able to do. After Vancouver, we would then hightail it back to Montreal via the featureless 
endless prairies and even the more featureless boreal forest of northern Ontario so we could arrive a couple of days late for the beginning of the new school year. Five people squeezed into a brand new blue Dodge Dart for nearly 9,000 miles over a scant five weeks. My folks had to be out of their minds. But the day finally came. And then another day came and went while my father figured out how to squeeze camping gear, clothes, and all that kid's crap into the trunk of a 69 dart. Nothing on the roof, damn it, was the battle cry as we watched puzzled and a little afraid of the building rage as yet one more essential landed by the car. Each one resulted in a Rubik's Cube-like reshuffle of the contents of the suddenly shrinking trunk. New York fell victim to the process of preparation. We would have to drive straight from Montreal to Washington, D.C., non-stop and a day late. There really was no other choice given the merciless Carrera Panamericana schedule which would get us to Mexico City on time. We finally sardine-canned ourselves into the car and drove the 600 miles to arrive at Greenbelt National Park in a deluge of epic Noah's Ark movie proportions. The cheerful park ranger who took our money and assigned us our camping spot made us all laugh. My father asked him the forecast, to which he answered, slightly cloudy with a chance of showers. My father laughed for the first time in days. We laughed because he laughed. That night, we dined like royalty on a can, one of those really big cans I don't think you can buy anymore, of Puritan beef stew. We heated it right in that can over an open fire. It had these little tiny round new potatoes, which I didn't recall having had before that night. What I do remember like it was yesterday, is that meal eaten in the pouring rain in Greenbelt National Park, surrounded by my family at the beginning of an incredible odyssey, was one of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life. Never mind, later that night we discovered that the particular camping spot we had been assigned was a formerly dry creek bed. The biblical rain turned the floor of our tent into a waterbed long before there was such a thing. We didn't care. Well, us three kids didn't care, as the practicality of getting things dried out and reassembled into the car was really more our parents' problem than it was ours. We were thrilled at the prospect of another eventually dreadful day in the car, our parents swapping driving duties once an hour on the hour. We made our way steadily south. My brother and I blew all the money we had saved for the trip on Major Matt Mason sets before we made it through the Carolinas. Good thing that cheeseburgers were only 21 cents at a neat new place called McDonald's in Montgomery, Alabama. My parents, on the other hand, were quietly disgusted at the stinking residue of segregation which still lingered in the South. My brother, sister, and I simply didn't get it. Growing up in the suburbs of Montreal does not equip you to comprehend separate water fountains for white and colored people. What are we, we might have asked naively. We crossed into Mexico from Texas after a border guard took our passports and demanded a seemingly made-up fee based on what a doctor from Montreal might have in his pocket at that particular moment, specifically U.S. dollars, of course. The guard walked away, our passports in hand, as if to drive home the point that there was a fee going to be paid one way or another. It was really just a question of how much and when. My father must have paid something that satisfied the guard as we eventually were driving down the roads just like the ones we left behind in Texas, except marked in these weird things called kilometers instead of miles. Boy, they sure seemed to go by fast compared to back home. What a strange place this was. I don't remember much about Monterey, but the pool at the hotel in San Luis Potosi was lovely. 
Desert eventually turned to subtropical jungle as we rose into the mountains that surround Mexico City. Rest stops in the middle of nowhere would suddenly become populated by shoeless hawkers selling everything from tacky souvenir marionettes to exotic birds. I'm assuming they were simply captured in the nearby rainforest and domesticated only by putting them in pathetic tiny cages. We didn't know enough to be dismayed or frightened. Our eventual arrival in Mexico City was just odd. What struck me most was that the vaqueros had already adopted American-style cowboy hats instead of the World Book Encyclopedia sombreros I was expecting, and they were as likely to be driving a Volkswagen Beetle as they were to be riding a Mustenio. After all the thoughts of this exotic remote place we were anticipating, it seemed ordinary compared to what we had imagined. Except the National Museum of Anthropology with its magnificent floating roof, supported by a single pre-Hispanic column. That was spectacular. We stayed at the Del Prado Hotel. I was terrified by Diego Rivera's legendary, mysterious, and perhaps opiate-fueled dream of a Sunday afternoon in Alameda Park, which was in the lobby. Of course, I didn't realize it was a Diego Rivera, or for that matter, had any idea who Rivera was back then. Although something did make me think the painting was important because it warranted a guided tour, which her parents made us sit through. It was led by a very knowledgeable docent whose collapsible telescoping chrome pointer was much more intriguing to me than the Rivera. Perhaps it was out of a desire to look away. The mural depicts a joyful summer afternoon in the park, but it also included an appalling image of the flogging to bloody, broken ribbons of torn flesh of half-naked victims wearing what seemed like dunce caps. To an eight-year-old, it was deeply disturbing. A little bit of Rivera's tortured soul has tortured my soul ever since. Life can be both beautiful and hideous, often at the same time. After my father delivered his paper, we turned northwest and found our way to Guadalajara and then to the not-quite-yet-discovered Mazatlan. There we beat the unbearable summer heat by swimming in the Pacific surf at night, only to be told the next day we were lucky not to have been bitten by deadly sea snakes. I still wonder if that was true, or just something made up to discourage the tourist horde gathering just over the horizon. Thence to Guaymas, and finally back into the United States. At the KOA campground in Tucson, the gravel was so hot it burned our feet. At the Hoover Dam, the door-locked knobs on the dart turned to taffy, and the air conditioner dripped so much condensation it soaked the floor of the cars. We visited the cousins in Sacramento, where modern West Coast liberalism had already arrived, and then the cousins in Seattle, where it hadn't. Perhaps it was simply exhaustion from being on the road so long, but the trip from Vancouver is a black void from which I cannot divine a single memory. I think we were just anxious to get home. If part of the mission of that trip was to convince the family of a move to Vancouver, it worked. We were back there, via Sweden and Europe, in a little less than a year, this time for good. I still marvel at the daring of my parents for taking that trip. Today, I wouldn't make the same journey on a bet. So much has changed since back then. Those five weeks in the 69 dart both bound up and yet began to tear away at the fabric of our family. My older sister was reaching the age when spending time with parents and younger brothers was not cool anymore. We would take other long vacations together, but over time they became progressively more tense as we all grabbed the wheels of our own cars and started the journeys that would take us 
in very different directions later in life. Journeys we are still on today. But for that brief, wild summer of 1969, in that blue Dodge Dart, the five of us were all traveling down the same road together, freeze-framing precious moments in code of color, creating a vivid past for our then-distant future. Life was good, and for a fleeting moment, filled with madness and unlimited possibility. I'm Terence Gannon, and I'm not there yet. Thank you so much for listening. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the Not There Yet podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and part of that is introducing our listeners to the other great shows in the network. There's a lot to choose from, so here's a personal recommendation to get started. In this episode, I mentioned Diego Rivera. While he was born and lived in predominantly Catholic Mexico, he was an avowed atheist and had some choice thoughts for the church, often reflected in his paintings like the one mentioned in this episode. If you're interested in that debate, I would highly recommend the Assumptions podcast created by Daniel Melville-Jones and Kyle Marshall. These two friends, one an atheist and the other a Christian, seek to understand each other's perspective using respectful, elevated, and civil conversation, a very rare commodity these days, particularly for subjects that can be so polarizing. It's fascinating and thought-provoking. Find the Assumptions Podcast along with a host of other great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. That's just the way it sounds, no spaces. Not There Yet is a regular series of short essays podcasted from the second decade of the 21st century. They are all written and read by me, and the entire production is wholly owned by Interlog Inc. of Calgary, Canada. All rights are reserved. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show on iTunes. It really helps build the audience, which means yes, I get to keep doing this. As I mentioned a moment ago, the Alberta Podcast Network is powered by ATB. I like to say, like a bank, but better. Here's another reason why. Think you might be the next Diego Rivera? If so, then ATB understands you and has a program specifically designed for your banking needs, the Branch for Arts and Culture. Seriously, I'm not kidding. It's intended to help artists like you with the business component of your career so you can be more free to focus on your creative side. The first branch is open in Calgary on Stephen Avenue, and the Edmonton branch will be open soon. You can also check out the program at atb.com slash thebranch. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be back soon with another episode. Subscribe to the Not There Yet podcast on your favorite podcast platform to know exactly when. Until then, just like we talked about in this episode, remember it's the journey, not the destination. It really doesn't matter if you're not there yet. Thank you.